so we're now on to our, I think this is our second um, message of this series, The Disciples. We're looking at how the disciples um, emulated um, and practiced uh, the teachings of Jesus, how they were to go on and be the disciple makers that Jesus wanted them to be. And so this week we look at the pattern of Jesus. Um, and if, if anyone um, has ever done any DIY, you will know uh, that certainly for me, I don't always follow instructions. And I always get it wrong. And about halfway through the build, I would probably have put the thing together wrong. And the reason for that is because I didn't read the instructions properly. Because at some point, I got tired of someone else telling me what to do. Because you know what instructions are, it's just someone practicing to put it together, and they write them down. You know that? There's no proper way of doing it, apart from they get a group of people to put this stuff together. And then they write down a note, and then they create the instructions. But as many of us might know, maybe the good, good ones of you who actually follow instructions line by line, we can sometimes go off on our own way of doing things. So today we look at this pattern of Jesus, how Jesus was laying down instructions about how his disciples and future followers should follow him, how they should present Jesus when Jesus isn't there. Does that make sense? So what they're doing is they're going forward and they're going... Jesus isn't in front of you physically, but he's here through the Holy Spirit and he's here through each of his disciples. And each of his disciples are practicing this instruction. So we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at this relationship between Jesus and Paul. I think Paul is a perfect example. Paul has kind of come afterwards, actually, slightly after the disciples. Uh, and we have kind of more in common with Paul in that sense. Paul has this amazing Damascus moment, doesn't he? And he's changed forever. But actually, isn't that something that we have in common with him? Because he only met Jesus really through the resurrected Jesus. We met Jesus through the resurrected Jesus. We didn't meet him at the time before uh, he was killed on the cross. We meet the resurrected Jesus. We come, people who, who profess Jesus and are meeting the resurrected Jesus today. So we're going to look at this relationship between the two then we're going to see how Paul and Timothy work together. We're going to see how Paul teaches Timothy, how this passing on works. Is it that Paul actually just kind of has his own way of doing things, or does he emulate almost exactly how Jesus taught him through the Holy Spirit? So this, this is the verse we're going to look at today. 2 Timothy 1, 13-14, it says, What you heard from me, Keep us the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And here's what we're going to look at, this first point, Jesus and Paul. When we look at Paul's relationship with Jesus after the point he became a believer, we need to look at how Paul felt about Jesus and his faith uh, in, in him, in this one particular passage. This one passage actually shows, I can't describe it, this just joy for Jesus. Remember, he, he met him once in a resurrected Jesus, 
And from that moment, he is just on fire for the rest of the time. He's just relentless, sharing the gospel with everyone he comes into contact with. You get this sense here in 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 8, verse 5 to 6. It says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, small g, and many lords, small l, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So when we look at this, just this initial passage here about Paul's description almost of his relationship with, the, with Christ, he has this sort of one determined focus on Jesus. Everything that he does, everything, is through and because of Jesus. Everything. Now you remember this guy because before, what he was doing was persecution, wasn't it? Is persecuting Christians, and it is the ultimate story of redemption, isn't it? This is a guy who's so far away from Jesus, and yet has one encounter with him. And he is going around not only just believing in Jesus, he tells everyone else, Oh, you must have some of this. This is awesome. This faith that you can have, this relationship you can have with Jesus. He is one of the most passionate people in the Bible when it comes to Jesus. He says, one Lord through whom all things came, through whom we live. And in case you're wondering, when we look at these verses, uh, you'll notice that uh, he switches between God and Lord in these verses. Some of you might think that's because he's referring to two different people. He's not. He's referring to God. In the Hebrew, in Hebrew, the name of God is still written as Yahweh. So when they're looking at this, it's still Yahweh. But the early Christians pronounced it as Lord. They would never pronounce the syllables of a divine name Yahweh. They would never say those words. So instead they say Lord. Some people might use this to say there is multiple gods. There isn't. There's one God. We did this before, didn't we? The Trinity is what we believe. So we use this word Lord instead of saying the syllables of Yahweh. But Paul's life is already, already reveals itself as one that is determined to live the pattern of Jesus. And why this is particularly amazing, as I said at the start, is because I think we can relate to Paul a lot more. I think it's very difficult with the disciples in some ways because they're around Jesus when he's present on earth. And yet Paul's life, actually, we may not be going around killing Christians, but certainly from another time, we were against God. There was a time we wasn't believing in him. There was a time we didn't come to him. However extreme, there was a time maybe we were against God. Actually, we were against God. The Bible says so. But Paul's encounter with Jesus is after Jesus' resurrection. We may have, also, uh, we may have heard about him before, maybe present during a Passover where Jesus was. Maybe Paul was present 
during those times? Not for sure. Maybe you would have heard him in a distance. Who, who knows? He was around, obviously, the same time as Jesus. But there's no direct evidence of a personal encounter pre-resurrection. And so Paul, after this moment, goes on to proclaim the gospel of grace throughout the Mediterranean world. His relationship with Jesus is like he was literally present with his, in the earthly ministry. The disciples struggled with Jesus, even being present with him, arguing who is the greatest. Who's the best? Who's the most one you like, Jesus? And yet Paul seems to have some sort of freedom in this because actually now he's had this divine moment and now he can do nothing but tell people about Jesus. And when we look at one particular piece of scripture that Paul wrote about Jesus, we see this pattern emerging that he is trying to follow and tell everyone else about. It's in uh, Romans 10, verse 9 to 10. And he says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul is very clever. You know this moment here where he says, uh, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead? This is very important. Very important. It's not just a profession of, from the mouth. It's not a, just a physical profession. He's saying you must believe that Jesus who died rose from the dead and you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And Paul's pattern is so helpful and relevant to Christians today because he believed without having that same contact as the other disciples did. In these verses, Paul is, in this very brief section, describes a pattern to follow. He says, first, before doing, we're so tempted to go out and do as church, first, believe why you're here in the first place. The goal isn't to do jobs. The goal isn't to go and do a whole bunch of another work on a Sunday or another day. First, if that work is to be blessed, if that work is to be from the kingdom and driven by God, you must believe that Jesus is your Lord in your heart because then you are justified. Justified meaning God's act of forgiving our sins, counting uh, our righteousness or our righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. He forgives our sins so we are justified, not because of what we did. Then he says, with your mouth, the doing, you profess your faith and are saved. But isn't the professing what we're doing in some form or another every day of the week? When we are around people, we are professing in some form a faith. Our behaviour, how we present ourselves to people, is a profession. We are professing to people whether that be through reading scripture to someone or just living with them, around them, in amongst them. How you, we behave is important. Paul admitted and proclaimed that he only lives because Christ lives. He says he lives through Christ. That means for the rest of his life he will copy 
the pattern of Jesus Christ's life. Through the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit is taught and has been taught by Jesus, the Holy Spirit carries on the teachings of Jesus. And so Paul does the same. He says, I want to copy, do exactly as Jesus did, as he told me to do. Read the instruction manual. Paul's conversion is in fact Jesus setting a pattern for Paul's life. Jesus tells Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And what do we see happen? Acts 9, verse 19 to 22, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. There are many ways Paul went around proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Many, many ways. He would debate. He would come alongside people who had the other gods, who talked about other gods that they believed in, whether that was worldly knowledge or whether that was literally other gods whether they believed in the, the gods who weren't God himself. But just as we see Paul telling everyone to follow this pattern of belief and practice, we see Paul firstly accepting Jesus into his heart, then proclaiming as Jesus showed him. We so overcomplicate sometimes what we do as Christians when we're talking to people around us. I'm all for events. I love events. We, we do it, and we've done it recently. But that's not because we want to show how great a church we are. It's not. We're here because we're Christians, and we say we want to share what Jesus, in, in a very small way that we can do, that Jesus shared with us. Jesus shared with us eternal life. I mean, and we're saying, have some food. And Jesus says, that's okay too. It's not your job to give them eternal life. But if you're willing just to share your life with them, to eat with people, to sit down with someone, who knows what will happen through the Holy Spirit? Events themselves are not the thing that makes us Christian. They don't make us a church. How we live from day to day, that makes us a church. That makes us disciples. Not just today, every single day of the week. And so what does that mean for Paul and Timothy? What's their relationship? Well, for Timothy, he cannot fulfill his ministry. He cannot be effective if he doesn't follow the pattern of sound teaching. The pattern was conveyed to Timothy through Paul. We see that, he says here, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. After these verses, later on in this chapter, uh, Paul talks about false teachers. 
He says, what you need to do is stick with the sound doctrine of the Bible. Stick with the sound doctrine of the Word. And he go, then he goes on to say, because for this reason, there's going to be a whole load of false teachers around. They're going to say things, they're going to say things that make people feel good and feel amazing and they're going to feel nice emotions and all happy and great, and, but it will speak to their flesh, not to their heart. So Paul prepares Timothy. Gives him the same instructions as Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, was prompting Paul in his ministry. And he shares with Timothy the exact same pattern again. The message Timothy is charged to deliver must be the same message he received from Paul, but from God. So there's no slight change, there's no deviation from what Paul's teaching Timothy. It is a continuous instruction. It's not Paul's word, it's God's word. And he continues to teach Timothy. And there's a pattern from God we can embrace first to become a Christian. We can embrace this pattern firstly to become a Christian, then to remain faithful. So what Paul's doing with Timothy, he's saying here are the the ways, the practical ways to align with God's teaching. And then he's saying, but that on its own is not enough. That on its own doesn't last. You can have all the head knowledge you like. but It doesn't mean anything unless it's powered through the Holy Spirit, unless he believes, Timothy believes, fully in Jesus. It's not that he believes in Paul. It's not that he believes in Apollos or any, any of the teachers, as we know from the Bible. Doesn't matter who you're taught by. What it comes down to is Jesus. Does Timothy believe and put his entire faith in Jesus? And therefore, does he trust Paul to teach him? Yes, he does. Rightly. He's been sent. Timothy learns from Paul. And so Timothy is now receiving the pattern of the Lord through Paul, who received it from the resurrected Jesus. The pattern of Jesus is told through disciples and apostles, but where it starts is with faith. Paul tells Timothy that the only way you can keep this pattern is with faith and love in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And then Paul then describes how this pattern works. What is that pattern then? What is the thing that I must follow? What are the practical things that I must follow in order to align myself with Jesus' teaching? There's a few things. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Trust that we're in a time of grace. We can approach God. We're allowed to. He says, things you have heard me say in trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. He says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This is a hard one, isn't it? When we talk about suffering... For some people, this is the limit for them. This might have been at some point, and might be in the future, a limit for us, depending on the test. But Paul doesn't mince his words. He's not, he's not trying to make it something that's fluffy and nice. He's saying, this is a mission that you will be on for the rest of your lives. And that's not to say this will always be suffering. But when the times are good, they'll be amazing. But in the suffering, you're going to see God work 
in such an amazing way that the suffering will be so confusing. Why am I suffering yet all these great things are happening? I like, I like this stuff because what it gets to is the core of where church should be today. It shouldn't be teaching about how we should be feeling nice. Feeling nice isn't a relationship with Jesus. I don't go to Jesus because I'm a bit down today. I go to Jesus because I'm happy and I go to Jesus because I'm sad. I go to Jesus because I'm high on life. I go to Jesus because I'm low on life. And yet this world tries to teach us where's the thing you can find that will make you feel better for the next couple of hours? Where is the thing that will just maybe put things out of your mind that you don't want to deal with? Paul is honest with Timothy. He's teaching these patterns. He goes on to say, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Could you... We could unpack this entire thing. Remember, this is not literal. Okay? This is not literal. What Paul is using here is an example. What he's saying here is, is that we get so distracted into the internal affairs. Actually, soldiers, that's not their job. Their job is not to get entangled in politics. Their job is not to get entangled in the speaking against others and the and the things that the Bible tells us not to do. He says, your focus shouldn't be on trying to solve little problems, because they're not the problem. We need to please the commanding officer. He talks in examples, this is Jesus. Please our Lord in heaven. Our focus is not on the little bits. Our focus is, I'm going to focus on Jesus, and that will drive me to the things that I do need to get involved in. But even when I'm involved in those nitty-gritty things, I need to keep my focus on him. And as a final one here, he says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Again, this is a verse you can take apart and do just so much with. And just see what Paul is saying here. He does everything so that others may know the salvation of Jesus Christ. The passion for him for, that he has for people who are yet to know him. We find that so difficult, don't we? We find it very difficult at times. I want to see people saved. That's what my flesh tries to tell me. There's some days when my flesh says, I don't care, and yet you have to fight through it. You'll have to labour on, you'll have to persevere in those moments. So Paul started out by telling everyone about Jesus, and now Jesus is the Messiah, so that others might profess the same. He remains consistent to this pattern when he teaches Timothy. Paul is teaching Timothy that with your heart and soul, believe that you will receive salvation, that is in Christ Jesus. With your actions, profess that Jesus is Lord. We boil it down in amongst all the things we think of what church is. This is what church is. Whatever we do here, whatever we do together as a church, 
in some form or another, it is to profess Jesus Christ. It is to replicate, to copy the pattern of Jesus. So we're being taught through the Word and the Holy Spirit that we too are to deliver the message as it was delivered from Jesus through those he chose. Philippians 4, verse 9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. In order for people to know about Jesus and to even contemplate believing in him, people need to see the Christian life being lived out in the world. With real challenges being faced, there's always a misconception about Christians uh, that we uh, think we're, we're a bit more better than other people. We need to demolish that myth. We're still being challenged every single day. Our lives are still challenging to live in. But here is where we're different, not because we're better. It's because the truth has been revealed and we've accepted the truth of Jesus. And so my struggles and my challenges are not just about for this time and then they're not worth anything. Actually, the challenges for today speak into my faith. They actually grow me and mature me. However, we might not see that in the moment. But now because I have a truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, I kind of know why this stuff happens. I know why the world treats me this way. I know why Christians are treated in a horrific way in certain countries around the world. Because it says there's more to life than this. There's more to life than these challenges. God is building you up through all this life, getting you ready for the big day when you'll meet him. You're being trained. Paul's ministry wasn't only about directing, uh, direct teaching and a pattern setting for others. It was at its core a ministry that showed a man of God who was able to come to Christ. Yes, through a dramatic experience but one dramatic experience that would change the rest of his life and how he lived it. And for those of us that believe in Jesus, however dramatic or not in comparison to Paul, each of us had our life-changing moment, where that life was no longer about ourselves, but about an entirely new perspective, the kingdom of heaven. No longer is it just about getting through the day, now it's about getting to the day and he'll return when I'll meet him in heaven. Paul and Timothy's life would be on show for others in the eternal hope that they could only do anything of worth because of Christ Jesus. Anything they did was only worth anything because it spoke about him. Because every action was directed and focused on him. Our pattern of living for Christ is not dependent on how people respond to us. It's how we respond to Christ. If we can get over the issue of how people respond to our faith and how we talk about our God that we believe in, 
if we cannot be anchored by their emotional response, by how they feel, and instead how we live to Christ, as Paul tells us. Maybe that would change people. Maybe that would bring some question into their life. Maybe something. When someone doubts your faith, and yet you remain strong, I'm telling you that is doing a hundred million things that you cannot even perceive in their life. And you stand strong in the faith. Paul set his face like flint towards Christ, irrespective of the oncoming onslaught that that might bring. And Paul says a soldier doesn't get tangled in civilian affairs and said he tries to please his commanding officer. So here's the question. Are we Christians because we like to be right about a religion and argue stubbornly for that reason? Is it just a thing that we, facts that we like and we just want to be right? Is it just an opinion that I own and therefore I'm just going to make sure that I'm right in the next conversation I have? Or are we Christians because we want to please the commanding officer who is Jesus, who sets the perfect pattern for us to follow and who we want to follow? If we are the latter, then this is where we live the pattern of Jesus and keep the pattern of Jesus. As we focus uh, on our day-to-day living, to the pattern of Jesus, then this is where we develop that same endurance, that same hope, that same pattern that Paul had for Jesus. And we're going to end on this verse. We've had it in the message today, but I think this perfectly sums up where we need to be and where we need to be going as Christians. 2 Timothy 2 verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You can't dress this up. Our faith as Christians cannot be dressed up. We cannot risk telling people false promises because the promises are so much better in the Bible than sometimes we express to people. But they want to see two sides of us. They want to see this endurance. They want to see that we are just as human as they are. As people that don't believe, we're just in the same struggle as they are. But what they're going to ask is, but how do you get above it? How do you get above that struggle? And it's not just to say Jesus. It's not the Sunday school answer. It is to explain the hope that we have in Jesus. Why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you love him as you love him? This is what people want to know. Why do you believe in something that you can't see? Our job is to bring alongside ourselves disciples, people who want to know more about Jesus, people who want to grow and mature. That's our duty as Christians. That's our command as Christians to make disciples. So now, the time especially now, and especially I would say in this time of this country, the turmoil that we're in, stand for Jesus. Because people need hope. 
People need to know that there is hope beyond the, the civilian affairs that are going on, the politics that's going on. They need to know that there is something coming, and that that is Jesus. Stand strong. Let's pray. And then we'll say a blessing together. Lord, we want to know what it is to be, to endure the life of a Christian. Lord, we are so blessed that we don't even know it. We don't even understand how great we have it in the Western world. And then, Lord, I think of people who, in the Western world, cannot afford to buy a loaf of bread, cannot afford to buy the essentials to live from day to day, going into food banks. And then, Lord, I think this is not about certain countries. This is the world. Whatever country we're in, there are people who are suffering. There are people who are at rock bottom right now and don't know the way back. They don't know which way to go. Lord, will you guide us and lead us into the lives of people in our community because that's why we're here in this church Lead us into our community, to your community, where we can share what we have been given and have realized we have been given. Lord, will you challenge us in our comfort, challenge us in our way of life, that what we're doing, maybe we need to consider isn't there more to life than this? Isn't there more I can do for Jesus? And Lord, I pray against the working for salvation. I pray against the jobs so we can gain salvation. That's not what it's about. I pray, Lord, that we will come and come to a true knowledge of you so that we, through our joy, want to share this truth with other people. Not through condemnation, but through love, through Christ, who is above all things, who has everything at his feet. Lord, we want to offer you our lives today. Lord, will you challenge us in our comfort, challenge us in our current place, Tell us where we need to be more like Christ and follow that pattern that maybe we've taken our eyes off. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that we can come again. We can come to your feet, come to your throne, and we can say, Lord, forgive us. And you, we're forgiven. Unconditional love. Lord, we pray and lift this church to you. Let it be a beacon and a hope for the people in this area, for the people we meet, and the people we just talk to from day to day. 
Lord, make this place of your people as a church a place of hope, a place of restoration. We thank you, Lord, for all these things. Amen.